0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks Podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name's Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some dynasty on episode number 115. We are almost through with our fantasy regular seasons, made it through week number 12, even though it was one of the craziest uh, weeks of all time. Thanksgiving week is, of course, one of the best NFL watching weeks of the season uh, with three games usually <laughs> on Thursday but this week it turned into a disaster with COVID wrecking teams and forcing dynasty managers to make really tough lineup decisions. Like most dynasty managers, I personally had a terrible time making lineup decisions this week and my teams actually suffered for it. had a pretty lousy week personally. My teams will likely finish three and five this week. Could end up better or could end up worse depending on what happens on Monday. And of course now we got a Tuesday night game. In addition to that, uh, could make my record better or worse depending on what happens. But Like I say every week, and I do mean it, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on the Dynasty teams. So here's what I'm going to say about uh, week number 12. Give some overall observations, talk about some waiver wire, some of the injuries, and then I will give you an update on some of the trades that were made in my leagues this week. I really have five overall observations from this week, and the first is what I'll call lineup-setting fiascos. Lineup-setting fiascos. Man, starting lineups on Thanksgiving week is ordinarily tricky, For managers who have players on the injury report, managers have to choose between starting a player on Thursday only to see their injured player get healthy and then outperform the guy that they started on Thanksgiving. Or they do the opposite. They hope for the player's return only to see them get ruled out later in the week. Uh, Tough decisions that we have to make when there's that many games on a Thursday. It's hard enough on a typical Thanksgiving week, but let alone a COVID year, which really made this the worst week in history for lineup decisions, I think. Uh, This week was a cascade of COVID developments, beginning with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, the game being moved back to Sunday, then being moved to Tuesday, as more and more players were added to the COVID list, including Lamar Jackson and James Conner, which will radically affect teams. And then late Saturday night, we learned that all of the Denver players were ruled out. All the Denver quarterbacks, rather, were ruled out, which, of course, radically affected all of the players on that game, and everyone dropped all starters on the Denver team from their lineups as fast as they could. Add to that the fact that starting players that were questionable there's so many injuries leading into Sunday or were ruled out at Thanksgiving games, Dynasty managers were left with a bevy of what I call regrets and frustrations. Dynasty managers had to make a host of decisions on Sunday morning with late-breaking news that they would preferred to know on Thursday morning instead of Sunday morning. I just think of my own teams, for example. I had to make lineup decision on Adam Thielen who was essentially ruled out on Friday morning after the Thursday games, on Raheem Mostert, who was not really activated until Sunday morning, on Austin Eckler, who was activated on Saturday night, but it was unclear whether Kalen Bellage was going to be healthy or not to know exactly what his workload would be. I had to make a decision on Naheem Hines, who was actually a starter after Jordan or Jonathan Taylor was added to the COVID list, and then James Connor, who was added to the COVID list on Saturday morning, and then also Salvin Ahmed, who I picked up in several leagues and he was ruled out on Friday morning, so I think I changed my starting lineup more times this week on my on my teams than I have ever before, ever that I can remember. Changed the lineup on and off again throughout the week, and that's my first observation from this week. I'm sure, as a dynasty manager, you have felt the same. What a what a crazy week and a disturbing week, making our lineups fiascos to try to set uh, set them. Next observation I had from the week, and this is primarily from Sunday, is I'll call quarterback duds. Uh, This Sunday, I witnessed some of the worst quarterback play that I've ever seen. Uh, Denver, of course, we said them already. They were forced to play a quarterback who had not played a snap since his sophomore year in college, Kendall Hinton. Everyone expected him to get destroyed by the Saints' defense, and he did, (laughs) completing just one pass for the entire game, only attempting nine. Uh, That was to be expected. But the other quarterbacks, there were others that were expected to carry their teams, and they played nearly just as bad as Hinton, as Hinton did. In fact, opposite Hinton was uh, Taysom Hill, who threw for a total of 78 yards in a game that the Saints dominated. He obviously didn't have to pass a lot to win that game, but still, 78 yards looked pathetic. Cam Newton threw for a total of 84 yards and threw two interceptions against Arizona, And then the quarterback facing Newton, Kyler Murray, he passed for just 170 yards and an interception. Then you take Sam Darnold; He finished the game against the Dolphins with a quarterback rating of 51 after completing only 59% of his passes and throwing two picks, uh, which was worse than Cincinnati's third-string quarterback, Brandon Allen, who started his first game in forever. And he at least finished um, his first start this year with a passer rating of 67.6. That's 16 points higher than Sam Darnold, And he was the only one of all those quarterbacks that I mentioned that actually threw a touchdown pass. Amazing. Let alone the ridiculous play of Goff and his turnovers and quarterback killer Derek Carr, who just ruined teams. Uh, When quarterbacks struggle, they take down fantasy players on their teams. Obviously everything hinges around the quarterback. And that's what happened on Sunday. Really, in this era of the NFL, teams should be able to produce more passing yards than they did on Sunday, without a doubt. It wasn't even weather-related on any of these cases. The six quarterbacks that I mentioned, they threw for a combined 678 yards passing, while Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, in their game Sunday afternoon, passed for 827 yards, just the two of them. The two of them, 827, those other six combined for 678 yards. It was pathetic quarterback duds. Now, I talked about the good quarterbacks. My next point will be observation is uh, quarterback studs. But it's interesting about these studs. While some quarterbacks are duds, like I mentioned, others have really carried their teams and have made their pass catchers fantasy studs too. However, these same quarterbacks are killing their running backs value by vulturing touchdowns and vulturing touches. Uh, Patrick Mahomes passed the ball 50 times on Sunday, while handing the ball off just 20 times, so 50 to 20. The previous ratio, the the previous week, the ratio was 46 passes to 27 rushes. The game before that, it was 45 passes to 11 rushes. To make matters worse for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, the Kansas City running backs, uh, and the Kansas City running backs, Andrew Reed has really dialed up trick pass plays in the red zone multiple times this year, including one uh, this last Sunday afternoon when Travis Kelsey tried to throw a pass to Patrick Mahomes. They're just trying to oversmart themselves and throw touchdown passes rather than give the ball to their running backs. Mahomes has 30 touchdown passes this season. And get this, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are currently the top two players in the league in receiving yardage. The top two in receiving yardage. And they're both on the same team, catching all the balls uh, for Mahomes. The Chiefs offense is on fire, but it's not helping Edwards-Alaire in his fantasy value. Same could be true of Aaron Rodgers. He's having a very similar effect on his running backs. Devontae Adams leads the league in receiving yards per game, and he'd actually be far ahead of Hill and Kelsey in total yards if he kept that average, if he didn't miss those few games that he did to injury. And like Kelsey, Robert Tanyan has the same number of touchdown catches as Kelsey, seven. You wouldn't have expected that, would you? Not near the yards, of course but he's got seven touchdowns. It's while Green Bay is a bit more balanced. They are a bit more balanced than Kansas City in their run to pass ratio. Rodgers leads the league in touchdown passes with 33. When Green Bay gets near the goal line, it's Rodgers who ends up being the one that scores. Uh, since returning from his injury in week nine, Aaron Jones has only scored one touchdown since week nine, which is the same number as Jamal Williams, who vultured that touchdown uh, yesterday afternoon. Mahomes and Rogers are the best two quarterbacks In the league right now, and they're smart and they're greedy and they're greedy enough to let everyone know it and they want to prove people wrong. This is excellent news for their top wide receivers and their top tight ends, but it's really bad news uh, for the running back. And that was my third observation. Fourth observation from this week I'll call it the Eckler effect. Man, Austin Eckler, he returned uh, from his seven week injury and looked like the same old explosive self. Maybe not quite. I'd put it maybe like at 85% of what he's looked like before. But like myself, uh, fantasy managers were really concerned that they might try to manage his workload during this first game back. But they sure didn't, especially once Kalen Balaj was ruled out. Instead, he carried the ball 14 times, and he had 11 receptions on 16 targets. He had had a total of 129 yards and fell short of getting two touchdowns. This news is welcomed News for fantasy managers who've been waiting on Eckler's return just before the fantasy playoffs. I know I've got him in two leagues and I'm thrilled to have him back. However, uh, Eckler's return is possibly going to affect Justin Herbert's other top pass catchers negatively. You see, in the three previous games when Kalen Bellage with his Chargers starting running back, he averaged six targets per game. In Eckler's first game back as a starter, he had 16 targets. So the targets have got to get cut from somewhere. Eckler's definitely going to receive more targets than any other Charger running back did while he was injured. He's just too good of a weapon in the passing game not to see increased targets. And if he gets more targets, someone's going to have to get fewer. Herbert actually targeted Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen 10 times each on Sunday, which is plenty to sustain their fantasy value. But it's not likely that Allen has 19 targets again like he did uh, the week before Eckler's return. Mike Williams could be the odd man out here actually finding himself used as only a deep threat while Allen and Henry and Eckler get like they did this last week, 70% of their teams passes between those three. I'm content with the shares that I have of Keenan Allen. I do believe that he's going to help my fantasy teams in the playoffs, but I'm really less hopeful for those week winning performances where he just goes nuts. Now that Eckler's back in the lineup. Final observation for the week is what I'll call muddy backfield backups, (laughs) muddy backfield backups. Uh, even on a week when no teams were on by, fantasy managers were still forced to start backups in really unclear backfields. And no matter which running back they chose to, to put in their starting lineups, they were disappointed. For instance, Todd Gurley, he was ruled out on Friday, making Brian Hill a considerable uh, flex play. I know I started him in two leagues and was surprised to see that he was actually outtouched and outperformed by Ito Smith, even though Hill played 11 more plays than Smith. Then you had DeAndre Swift, who was ruled out just before game time on Thursday, leaving Adrian Peterson and Kyrion Johnson managers wondering if they would be safe flex plays. Peterson figured to get the red zone looks while Johnson would probably be featured more in the passing game where it looked like the Lions were likely going to be playing from behind against the Texans. Managers who started Peterson ended up happy since he did score two red zone touchdowns while only accumulating 80, or 55 yards on 15 touches Johnson, however, had the better day overall with 98 yards from scrimmage and four receptions. Confusing between the both of those, but if you started Peterson, you might be happy. Then there's a situation in Miami where Miami ruled out Savan Ahmed and then Miles Gaskin, making Matt Breida the supposed lead back against the Jets, a game that you thought that they would win easily and would feature a lot of touches to the running backs. However, it was DeAndre Washington who led the team with touches uh, with 15 compared to Breida's only 10. Neither player really did much with their touches, So they both disappointed owners who took risk on them. These muddy backfields were no help to anyone. In this very crucial week for Dynasty teams that are fighting for their playoffs, nothing happened with all these guys. Only the Adrian Peterson manager was rewarded for a gutsy play if they started him on the news of Swift being out. Unfortunately, I decided in one of my deep leagues to start Marvin Hall over Peterson on the Thanksgiving game, thinking Detroit would be playing from behind and have to pass. And I missed out on those two touchdowns and I'm going to lose that game by two points now, or I've already lost the game by two points. So pretty rough. Yeah, that's how it goes. The same is true for me with uh, Brian Hill. I chose to start Brian Hill in two leagues over Matt Brita. And like many other dynasty managers, I guessed wrong on these fringe players and missed securing playoff bye weeks in two of my leagues because of this. There's still an outside chance, but had I won this week, I could have secured myself bye weeks in the playoffs. Rough muddy backfields that ruined at least my teams. I'm sure some of you can relate. Let's talk real critically. Uh, week number 12 review. Let's talk some injuries. We've got four of them here to mention just for today. First is Daniel Jones. Jones injured his hamstring late in the game on Sunday. Uh, early reports state that it's actually pretty severe injury too. It's going to cost him a few weeks. Colt McCoy came in and held the Giants lead and was able to get the win, but the Giants schedule going forward is considerably more challenging over the next few weeks. I do think McCoy is an experienced backup, but he really lacks the arm strength and the athleticism to do some of the things that Jones can do with both his arm and his legs. Uh, McCoy will cause a downgrade to every Giants offensive player while Jones is out. For example, I actually traded Sterling Shepard for Sterling Shepard in the league um, just two weeks ago because I had real confidence in his PPR floor. I just wanted him to be my wide receiver four and just had the solid PPR uh, floor in a PPR league that I'm part of. Now I'm not sure that I'm going to start Shepherd this week. I think it's a drop off for sure. It's not nearly the drop off, you know, as bad as the downgrade that we gave to all the Bengals uh, pass catchers last week when Joe Burrow was injured and Brandon Allen was named the starter. But it is a drop off nonetheless. So that's a bummer. Not affecting the dynasty value of anyone, but definitely going to hurt uh, people who have a starting, who are starting Giants in their lineups. Next was Josh Jacobs. Jacobs uh, injured his ankle in what looked like a very painful twist up. Uh, so far, there have not been reports on the severity, but he is getting an MRI today. Devonte Booker uh, should be the starting running back in if jake Jacob misses time, uh, making him a considerable uh flex play for sure. Um, he's not nearly as talented as Jacob's, but he's experienced enough to make a few plays in a short stretch. I don't think he could be a long time, but he could do something for a short time. I know a few weeks ago I said that Booker would be on the was on my waiver wire column that i that I Spoke about on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, but then Booker had a couple uh, good games, you know, just in his, when he was spelling Jacob at, at times. And so now I don't think he's available in any of my leagues, likely not in yours either, but grab him if he is. Next injury was a sad one, was DJ Moore. He went down with an apparent ankle injury, although it looked like a knee to me. Um, he was overthrown in the end zone and went jumped up to get it and then kind of fell down awkwardly. Man, if Moore misses time, uh, Robbie, Anderson and uh, Curtis Samuel will definitely have the most to gain. Uh, They've the a whole passing tree with narrow. Instead of being passing tree to those three primarily, it would be passing three, tree to those two, at least as the wide receivers before McCaffrey comes back and probably takes a lot of the targets away as well. Um, I don't see this affecting uh, the dynasty value of any of these wide receivers. They all stay steady kind of where they are uh, within their dynasty value, but would be a hurt to those who have D.J. Moore. It looks like he might miss several weeks, which would be a bummer. I have Robbie Anderson in a lot of weeks, and while we never root for injuries, uh, those that do have Robbie Anderson can start him even a little bit more confidently after his bounce-back game on Sunday, can maybe offer more of the same if D.J. Moore is out. It is a bye week for them this week, so we're not going to get those injury reports until the next week, but that's, uh, that's going to be one we have to watch for sure fourth one that was injured uh was philip Lindsay. Uh, he injured his, his knee on a very strange tackle where his body was really contorted uh, they quickly ruled him out for the game which really is an indication that the injury may last a while melvin gordon performed really a lot better earlier in the season while Lindsay was injured earlier in the season um, he stands the most to gain for sure uh, while we never like i said root for an injury this could be good news for people like me who have a uh, been wanting Gordon to be a dependable RB2 in my lineup, but he's just not been able to do that. And so this could be the opportunity that Gordon owners or Gordon managers rather um, are looking for here as they head down the playoff run. I think too on the, on this, the only one that I feel like has some dynasty value. I think that Lindsey's injuries really give credence to the reason why the Broncos added Gordon in free agency last offseason. I think that they don't believe. And Lindsey, they don't believe that he can be in every down running back without getting injured. And now this, this year, he's proven it. And so as a result, the, you know, this injury is really just another reason for Lindsey's dynasty value to decline uh, quite a bit, in my opinion. Let's talk a little bit about waiver wire. None of these guys are going to help put you over the top, but you know, as dynasty owners, we are actually drafting guys and picking people off the waiver wire, thinking about next year in the long term. As a reminder, they play in 27 to 30-man roster leagues, so true dynasty leagues, so the players I list here are for deep leagues only. If you play in shallower leagues, there's obviously better players that you could pick up, but if you play in true dynasty leagues, 27 to 30-man rosters, here's some guys I would recommend that are available on the waiver wire in leagues that I play in. First is Colt McCoy. I'd only aim to pick up McCoy in super flex leagues, where, you know, just because every starting quarterback should be rostered in a super flex league. Um, as I said before, I don't believe that McCoy can move the offense as well as Daniel Jones, but a starting quarterback with his experience is always worth a starting in a super flex league, particularly if you have injuries and he actually would be your only second, you know, your second starting quarterback that you would need. If you're not talking super flex leagues, here's the other three guys that I'm interested in this week First is Colin Johnson. Uh, he was the most targeted Jacksonville wide receiver on Sunday. He got four of eight passes for 96 yards and a touchdown. Now, DJ Shark and Chris Conley did not play, which is really the only reason why Johnson received so many opportunities, but he made the most of them. And Jacksonville can't ignore uh, what he did. Thus far, Johnson has primarily just been used as a red zone weapon. They've been bringing him in near the goal line because he's got such a great size. Um, But now they have reason to give him some more playing time and see what to do. As a fellow Longhorn, as a Texas Longhorn, I watched Johnson throughout his college career, and there was a time... When he was thought to be a top wide receiver prospect. And then he struggled in his junior and his senior year. He has the size and athleticism, the hands to start in the NFL. I really believe that. And so managers dropped him in several of my leagues um, as this year progressed, someone that they were kind of holding on to and ultimately dropped. Um, But I'm going to try to add him this week. That would be my first priority just to see what happens at the end of this year, or even hold him till next year and see what happens with the shakeup and the coaching staff. And of course, the general manager just got fired in Jacksonville today, too. So there's going to be some shakeup there. They might need to see what they have in Johnson. Well, third uh, waiver wire I'd be interested in is B.C. Johnson. So two Johnsons, uh, BC Johnson or B.C. Johnson. Uh, he was a clear replacement for Adam Thielen, uh, who was placed on the COVID list. And definitely Justin Jefferson led the team in targets with 13 and touchdowns, scoring two. <laughs> but Johnson actually led the team in yards with 74 yards. He caught a perfect seven of seven targets. Now, it's true that Thielen's likely to come back next week, so Johnson's not going to get an opportunity like he did this week. But from a dynasty perspective, he could become the, the Thielen's replacement in a few years. Thielen's only getting older, and uh, he could be Jefferson's backup if Jefferson were ever to get injured. Um, it is just his second year, and he's remained on the team, holding off all other receivers who Minnesota's brought in to compete for backup roles. And when someone goes out, he steps in, and has done well. So I think that I'm going to try to pick him up in a few leagues this week, but not all my leagues. Uh, but definitely a few. Finally, last player I'd recommend picking up would be Ito Smith. Uh, like I said before, Smith uh, outtouched and outperformed Brian Hill, much to my surprise, even though he had fewer snaps. Uh, more importantly, he was more involved in the passing game. Um, I don't think Atlanta has their future long term starter on their team currently. I don't think it's Smith. I don't think it's Hill. It's certainly not Gurley. I think that they only have bit players right now, and they need to draft a future star. So I'm not going to make many efforts to try to get Smith this week. But I did want to mention him uh, just in case uh, it would be a better fit for your team. In some cases, the only way I I would consider it is maybe if I drop Brian Hill to get Smith, thinking that he's actually going to be the the handcuff to Gurley, at least for this season. But I'm still convinced that Hill's a better player. Uh, He just definitely wasn't on this Sunday. Finally, let's talk about some trades. I had five different trades that went down in my leagues. Like I said, the podcast every week, one of the unique things that I, I like to do is when I talk about trades, I try to tell you what the owners are doing, because these are trades that actually took place in the leagues that I am a part of. And so they're not just in a vacuum. I can tell you what I think both managers were trying to do with their situation when they made the trade. And so here's five trades that went down in my leagues last week. Uh, first one is Tyler Lockett for a 2021 first round pick, pretty big trade. This trade took place in my ten-team half PPR league, and the manager who bought Lockett has a five and six record and is just outside of sixth place uh, for a playoff team, and has a far uh, has a far better roster than it appears. The team that traded Lockett is four and seven, and looks to be locked in as maybe the third worst team in the league. So uh, pretty risky here. Lockett's been incredibly consistent. Uh, inconsistent rather, and is getting surpassed by DK Metcalf, I believe, overall. So the manager, I think, may have thought that and thought he was willing to part with Lockett uh, for a first-round pick, given him the possibility of two top half of the draft uh, first-round picks next year. The team that traded Lockett does lack uh, starting running back two. So I imagine he's trying to increase his chances of being able to land a future uh, RB2 on his team. Uh, he does have a solid RB1, but if he can give himself two shots at a running back there early in the first round next year, that's probably what he's trying to do. Whereas the manager who acquired Lockett in the trade has a really solid roster that realistically could challenge teams with better records in the playoffs, including me. In fact, he's beating me this week, depending on what happens tonight. If uh, Dallas Goddard goes crazy, maybe I can actually win this game. But that's one of the ones I got knocked out of a bye week if I lose, which I think I'm going to, because this guy t- this guy's team's really solid. So even though he was in the sixth place, uh, he's looking at it and eyeing that sixth place with, a, I think, a rightful eye to think, I can win. And so Lockett could carry me there. Uh, so that's what we have going tonight. I think I'm down by ten. He's got Lockett. I've got Goddard. So not looking good for me. I think this trade could help him compete in the playoffs, but it's and it's also a safe future play, I believe, uh, given his competitive roster. I see what both teams aim to accomplish in this trade, and, um, but I think I like the Lockett side of it overall. I think Lockett is young enough, and he's safe. He's safer than a middle of the first round pick, which you know we know that those first round picks, as much as we love them, they often bust. But the team that sold Lockett does have two first-round picks now, so it increases his odds of hitting on a stud running back, which I think he's trying to do. I like the Lockett side of it overall. Next would be uh, Cam Akers. This was an interesting one. Cam Akers was traded for a 2021 second and third-round pick. So this trade took place in my 10-team standard league. This is a rare trade between, two, f- between a first- and second-place team. They're actually brothers, so they must have been talking and discussed how they currently valued Akers who was a top six pick in the previous rookie draft. So he was a top six pick last year, but one manager who drafted Aikens in the first round last year, I guess just decided that he wasn't worth it anymore, that he was willing to trade him not just for a first, but for a second and a third round pick. Likely it was after seeing the distribution of running back that's been happening in LA this year. I agree with the speculation on, on Akers, but I really still would have preferred to get a first round pick somehow twenty twenty first since you gave him you know, since you bought him with the twenty twenty or twenty twenty first, I would have wanted a 2021 first back. And so I think while I'm not a fan after seeing how acres has performed this year, I still uh would have held out for a first round pick instead of the second and a third, particularly given that these are two good teams, so this is gonna be a background or back end second round pick and a back end third round pick. Um, I think I would have asked her more to try to get Acres, even though I've not been impressed with him so far this year next pick uh next trade was eric ebron for paris campbell this trade took place in a 10 team half ppr league the team that traded for campbell has the worst record in the league and was really trying to make this last minute trade before the trade deadline just to get a high upside player and then the team that traded for ebron is uh, is likely already in the playoffs but he's starting dalton schultz as his tight end and so i think he thought that maybe adding ebron gave him a little bit a safer floor in advance of the playoffs so maybe he could hit a stride with ebron Both teams got what they wanted in this trade, for sure. It's pretty fair, uh, kind of trade deadline, pretty typical trade deadline trade. Campbell's very unproven, of course, still. Uh, So I can see why the manager would give him up. But I can also see why a struggling team uh, would give up an older asset to see what could become of Campbell. So I I suspect that in this league, Ebron's not going to put the competing owner over the top when I look at his roster overall. Therefore, I really like the bet on Campbell. I like the Campbell side of this trade, especially since the younger wide receivers have already surpassed the older Colts wide receivers. Uh, They are the future there for the Colts. question is, who's the future quarterback for the Colts? Two more to go here. Uh, Carson Wentz was traded for a 2021 third-round pick. This is crazy. This trade took place in a 10-team, one-quarterback standard league, so one quarterback. This trade just shows how much Wentz's value has dropped this year after playing quite terribly even in a one quarterback league, I think Wick, Wentz should uh, have gone for far more than a 3rd round pick. Uh, his contract um, really commits him to Philadelphia for several years to come. I think Philadelphia is committed to Wentz as their future quarterback even if they drafted Jalen Hurts. I understand being annoyed at the lack of production, certainly understand that. But I would not have uh, I would not condone training him for this late of a pick, a 3rd round pick in a one quarterback league. I would have insisted on far more than a third round pick, which, uh, you know, third round picks rarely amount to anything. <laughs> we, they're kind of a crap shoot. So, um, someone we'll must have really been tired with wits to make this trade. And finally, uh, last trade was Robert Tanyan or Tanyan uh, for a 2023rd and a 2025th round pick or sorry, 2021 third and fifth round picks. So this trade took place in my 12 team half PPR league, the team that traded for uh, Tanyan has no Fant as a, as a starting tight end. So I think that they just wanted to get some depth at the tight end position, especially after Fant's injury plagued season. But in addition, it, it's helpful to know this that he already has three first round and three second round picks already. So he's got three picks in the first round, three picks in the second. So I think he was willing to give away a third and a fifth round pick, uh, given that his 2021 20, picks are all going to be just front loaded, six picks in those first two rounds. Yeah, it seems like a pretty fair bet to bet on Tanya, scored again last night. Uh, after this trade was made, this trade was made earlier earlier in the week. He was really established himself as a starting tight end in Green Bay and his favorite of Aaron Rodgers, which uh, matters more than other quarterbacks because Aaron Rodgers, when he likes someone, he throws to him. Uh, I really like the Tanya side of this trade. Uh, get particularly knowing that he has three first round and three second round picks. Very fair to give up those two to pick up Tanya long podcast this week. Uh, A lot of stuff happening here near the end of the season. I think those trades are going to come to an end pretty soon as I hit deadlines, but several of my leagues are still open, so I hope to report on some more trades next week. Hey, I appreciate you giving a listen. Uh, That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me, and I promise to respond to every email. I'd be honored, too, if you take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league.